It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Elling. Coming up on episode number 23 of Sports Day Plus. At 6.15, it is the first of a three-segment chat with comedian Donnell Rawlings ahead of his headlining shows at Joe Rogan's Comedy Mothership this weekend. And a mere seconds, the Texas Longhorns are playing for a Big 12 championship on Saturday. So why are they unlikely to end up in the college football playoff if they win? I am your host, Trey Elling. You can give me a follow on Twitter at Courtesy Wave and do the same for ESPN Austin at 1027 ESPN. Congratulations to the Texas Longhorns for an authoritative finish to the 2023 regular season with a 57-7 win over Texas Tech on Friday night at DKR. This is a game that the Longhorns had circled on the calendar all season long, not to say they were overlooking any other matchup on the schedule, as an 11-1 regular season record would suggest. That is because this game received some added emphasis, thanks in large part to Big 12 Commissioner Brett Yormark in the preseason this year, just weeks before... The college football season got going. Brett Yormark made some now infamous comments to a group of Texas Tech fans in Lubbock telling Joey McGuire that his team needed to go take care of business in Austin the last week of the regular season, that he was going to be there in person. And of course, I'm paraphrasing right now. And sure enough, to Brett Yormark's credit, despite the fact that Texas Tech has not been the group that is forcing the conference to run through Lubbock this year. A very middling team so far this season. They've been playing better as of late, but nowhere near the level of this Texas Longhorn squad that has remained a top 10 team in college football for the entirety of the 2023 season after that win at Alabama. And other than one slip up to Oklahoma, of course, it's a rivalry game. In Dallas, Oklahoma played one of, if not their best game of the year, and Texas played one of their worst games of the year and still had a chance to win in the end. They have continually taken care of business week in and week out. And with the added motivation of beating Texas Tech, with Brett Yormark watching, Texas did exactly what they needed to do on Friday. They got it going early on offense. They did the same on defense. And they were winning so big in the second half that we actually got our first dose of Arch Manning with him throwing five total passes, completing two of those. Picked up a couple of first downs with his legs. A lot of people are going to learn Arch Manning, underrated athleticism, really good straight line speed too, reminiscent of Trevor Lawrence in that regard. You may scoff as you hear me say that for the very first time, but keep watching. I'll accept your apologies in the coming years as you see more and more of Arch Manning. But it was a great send-off for this class of seniors for the Longhorns and also those guys who will likely be going pro after the season is over with. Byron Murphy is going to be on that list. Unfortunately, after he announced that he is accepting an invitation to the Reese's Senior Bowl... You probably won't see any more of Xavier Worthy or A.D. Mitchell 
at DKR. Devondre Sweat, I think this is it for him eligibility-wise. He's going to be gone. Ryan Watts, likely out of here as well. And then you do have the true on seniors, guys like Jalen Ford and Christian Jones. Jatavian Sanders is going to be another one of those guys who will likely declare early. But it was a great send-off for those guys, guys who are instrumental in helping to change the culture of this Texas Longhorn football program. And now they have an opportunity to check off one goal from the preseason, that is make it to the Big 12 championship game, and they have a chance to check off another box from from that list of preseason goals. That would be winning a Big 12 championship. And if you do that, you've done everything that you've needed to this year other than losing that game to Oklahoma to set yourself up to compete in the college football playoff. It's just unfortunate that this is a year where you needed to be perfect to make it to the college football playoff with rare exceptions. And Texas Leap needs a lot of help this weekend from some of those other Power 5 teams playing for conference championships in order to make it in as one of those final four teams. Like Texas has that win over Alabama right now in Tuscaloosa, double-digit victory, first time that's happened to Alabama in the Nick Saban era. First time it's happened to either Alabama or Saban going back 20 years or so. But if Alabama beats Georgia in the SEC championship game on Saturday, guess what? You probably see Georgia and Alabama make it in over Texas. That would be a tough one to swallow, knowing that Texas has the head-to-head advantage over the Crimson Tide. Michigan, they face... Number 16, Iowa in the Big Ten Championship game. They are huge favorites in that one. Very unlikely Iowa wins. If they do, Texas perhaps moves ahead of Michigan, but I don't know about that because Michigan, despite the fact that their schedule has been extremely cupcake, they also did beat Ohio State less than a week ago. Florida State playing a second straight game without their starting quarterback, Jordan Travis. Despite falling behind 12-0 to Florida in a rivalry game that last week, they remain undefeated, and they square off against the Louisville team that they themselves unexpectedly suffered a rivalry game loss to Kentucky last weekend. But Louisville might be able to knock Florida State off. You 100% need that if you're a Texas fan because Florida State undefeated is getting in over a one-loss Texas team, even without Jordan Travis at quarterback. And then you go out west to the Pac-12 championship game where Oregon is a big favorite over Washington. The Huskies have the one win over Oregon right now. The Ducks won loss on the years to that Washington team a couple months ago. Game was in Seattle. And a lot of people feel like, Vegas included, that Oregon is going to avenge that loss. But I think if you're a Texas fan, you need Washington to win that game. A lot of people believe that win or lose, whichever team wins the Pac-12 championship, they'll make it in. The other team will be out. I'm not so sure about that, though, because Washington will only have one loss to a team that is featured in the college football playoff. So to leave none of that for chance, if you're a Texas fan, this is what you're rooting for. You are rooting for Georgia to win. I know we've been rooting for Alabama up to now. We need that needed that win to be as good as possible. It'll still be a good win, even when Georgia wins, whatever consecutive win this is going to be for them if they beat the Crimson Tide. Michigan to win, I guess, but you need 
Florida State to lose. That is the big thing you need right now. Florida State loses, your path gets much easier. If Florida State wins and Alabama wins, you're probably SOL. What a final year for the four-team playoff before things expand to 12 next season. This needed to be the year that you had at least eight, if not 12 teams in the college football playoff. Texas is number seven. Alabama is number eight. You mean to tell me you wouldn't love to see? Although the rankings would probably change a little bit after the conference championship games. Number eight, Alabama facing number one, Georgia in the first round. Texas and Michigan. If Texas is number seven, and by the way, give me a freaking break with Ohio State being ranked number six over Texas right now. I know we get the college football playoff rankings here shortly, and we will try and talk a little bit about those tomorrow, but shame on the AP voters and the coaches for having Ohio State ahead of Texas still. Well, because their schedule's a little bit tougher? Stop telling me that the wins over Notre Dame and Penn State were that impressive. Penn State folds like a cheap chair or a cheap suit, whichever route you want to go there, in big games, and Notre Dame has not been that good this year. So a win that looked more impressive in the moment actually wasn't, and Notre Dame should have won that game too. Of course, we will continue the college football conversation the rest of the week. Coming up, though, we are taking another break from sports for a three-segment chat with the very hilarious stand-up comedian Donnell Rawlings. You know him from Chappelle Show and more. Well, he is going to be here in Austin this weekend at Joe Rogan's Comedy Mothership, headlining shows Friday through Sunday. I think there's still tickets to those Sunday shows. Go to ComedyMothership.com to snag those right now. And stay tuned, because coming up, my conversation with Donnell Rawlings. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Elling. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Elling. Don L. Rawlings is a stand-up comedian who first became recognized for his hilarious sketches as Ashley Larry on Chappelle's show and since has become a force both on and off stage as a comedian, actor, and podcaster. He recently co-starred in Adam McKay's HBO series Winning Time, The Rise of the Lakers Dynasty, and just filmed his new Netflix special that was produced by Dave Chappelle. The podcast is called The Donnell Rawlings Show. New episodes drop each Friday. You can search YouTube for The Donnell Rawlings Show. Oh, and he is headlining here in Austin this weekend at Joe Rogan's Comedy Mothership. I'm going to be honest, there aren't a ton of tickets available, just tickets for one of his Sunday shows left to snag those. Or for any of the shows that do have tickets, go to ComedyMothership.com. Donnell, thank you so much for the time. How are you doing today? I don't think that we should start this interview like this. I'm doing fine. The question is, how are you doing? I am very embarrassed right now because I am 26 minutes late to this conversation. And you were nice enough to uh, to give me some of your time. And here I am keeping you waiting this entire time. Uh, I am sorry. Oh, 20 Most minutes. Am- and then see, from my culture, we call that CP time. If you don't know what the acronym is, go to UrbanDictionary.com and you'll find it out. And it doesn't mean what you think. Obviously, it means Caucasian people time is not the same time as a professional like myself is. And I will listen to your apology, 
But just like in council culture, I won't accept your apology. And we can move <laughs> forward. <laughs> I want you to say sorry, but it's not going to mean a damn thing. That's what I want to say. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, and, and I'm canceled, unfortunately. You know, you're you're a guy who is uh, who is willing to take a lot of chances when it comes to your comedy. You and I have spoken previously about this. Uh-huh. Gosh, we spoke during the height of cancel culture, but you still right. refuse to uh, go about things in any way other than the way that you know how to make people laugh. Uh, what is the closest somebody has come to to getting you to rethink how you're doing something in the name of comedy because they're they're so upset with how you phrased it? Um, not not a time you know like i will say i just did a netflix special and it was one word in particular that i used that i knew that they would probably cut out but they wouldn't they didn't understand that i was trying to make a point on how we get very sensitive about certain words and don't have that same sensitivity toward the other word but the word i wanted to use i they was just like okay we get all of that but you can't use it i won't say what it was and i realized i i, I realized with that with whatever rules that people try to give you, like I'm not like just trying to be a, a habitual line stepper in the words of Dave, Sh- I mean, in the words of Charlie Murphy, RIP. But sometimes I realize what battle do I want to have? You know what I'm saying? Do I want to pick this little fight or can I change a little bit and and still have a platform that people can hear what I want to say and I can make people laugh the way I want? I also said that I think when we have spoken about this, we were at the, probably the highest point of cancer culture. And the reason why cancer culture could breathe and it could come to this point is because the media only wanted to focus on a minority, a small percentage. My good friend Dave Chappelle, his special, The Closer, right? If you take 100 people and you say, what do you think about that special, right? You might have three people that were upset 97 people that enjoyed it, but the only focus we give is 3%. Now, the shift is coming down is people's, people are getting bored with it. People are telling council culture to beat it. If you don't want to be in this line, step aside so I can get my ticket. Well, often, you know, and that's crazy. Yeah, and oftentimes, too, and I can say this because I actually saw him perform that special when you guys were doing shows at Stubbs at the yeah. start of COVID and you were hilarious and Rogan was hilarious and Chappelle was obviously hilarious too. How he ended that right. special was a love letter to the friend that, uh, that he was talking about. See, this, is, this is the point. The point that I'm making is that that is not the story that's going to get clickbait. That's not the story they're going to talk about. And then that's why people always say, why are you taking it so personal when people say that your buddy's transforming that thing? Because I know he's not. I know the human that he is. I don't know him just from working with him. I know him as one of my dearest, closest friends and a brother. So when you speak against that, when you speak against someone's character, and I know it's all false, I got to say something. You know what I mean? That dude doesn't have hate in his body or anything. And what people understand with that story was that in in a in a business where a trans, not not too many people are accepting to certain things. We've, we are evolving the way we think in a business where if you were a transgender comic, you were shunned upon some point. You weren't invited to the table with the real ones or whatever. And for him to put all that aside and say, I respect this man or woman. I don't want to get caught up in that. However you want to be. I respect him as being a stand up comic and somebody that's passionate about business. And that's where he showed the love. And that's where we should show, especially as a comedian. 
We need to show, we show the love like this. Man, I don't care what you identify with. I don't care what your pronoun is. I don't care what your adjectives are. What I care about is, are you funny? Are you funny with breasts? Are you funny with a penis? Are you funny with both of them? Are you funny? And that's how a comic gauges a relationship with another comic. I respect you on you standing flat foot on that stage and entertaining this audience and making them laugh. And then especially the time that we're in right now, Dave said something to me a couple of years ago and it was doing some controversial stuff. He said, Donnell, it is our job as comedians to make the world laugh in some of the most troubling testing times. Don't take that away from us. That's right. The stage is one of the last bastions, but people are so easily offended in modern times. Even if cancel culture has kind of gone away, like I still see those sensitivities with my kids who are nine and seven right now. I just had this conversation with them at the dinner table the other night because one of them was complaining or whining because uh, one of their friends at school was trash talking them. And I'm like, well, did you whine about it to them? They're like, well, yeah, kind of. I'm like, well, rather than whine about it, realize that that is actually your friend and you can give it back to them as good or better than they gave it to you to begin with. And until we can start steering people more in that direction, uh, I I don't know uh, how much of a chance we have as a culture. But these kids are so sensitive. My my son was having a mirror on the other day because his cousin blocked him. On Twitter? And it was on text message. Oh No, wait a minute. He's been blocked on... My son, he was like, I'm like, what's wrong? He said, Bryce blocked me. I was like, you've been blocked before? Yeah, he said, but that was on Roblox. He blocked me on a text message, daddy, right? And I'm like, you got to get stronger than that. Like, I, I know I'm old school, but I remember my mom telling me somewhere, if somebody bully you or whatever, she would tell me, you pick up something and you hit them with it. I know that this logic of parenting right now is so, so old school. But I had an incident where this guy was bullying me, and I know this is wrong. I saw a Coca-Cola bottle. I popped that joint like I was in a movie. And guess what? (laughs) That dude broke out, and I never, ever had a problem with with him again. That's right. You show some toughness in the moment. But here's the other issue. How old is your son, by the way? He's eight. Eight. Okay, so you're you're right in the wheelhouse that I am right now. Yeah. Our kids... Guys, I'm going to sound like an old person here. Our kids have it so much easier than we did. You almost have to seek out challenges for them. You have to find ways to make their lives more difficult than it would be otherwise. Because otherwise, they're just staying completely right. soft with things. But you know what? The same conversation you have now, 40 years from now, when these kids have kids, they're going to say the exact same thing. You know? So I just think it's a it's a timing thing and it's a it's a it's a, a, a era. You know, I will say that as a kid, we were probably more explorative and more um, adventurous when it came to having fun and doing stuff. Like if you want to punish a kid now, tell them to go outside and play. They'll have a nervous breakdown. You know what I mean? Or just cut the Wi-Fi off. They'll be like, you're you're I'm going to have childhood trauma because of this, dad. But, you know, we got to give it to them the way we got it. That's right. But if you can teach them to uh, to be somewhat present to uh, sit there and be willing to engage in conversation or just look around and, let's be honest, kind of be bored at times. Boredom is what uh, begets a lot of creativity. If you can uh, teach them to be okay with being bored, they'll eventually figure it out for themselves. 
But I think also, too, is you that they have to know what the option is. Some parents, they don't give them any other option. It's a it's a tool for taking care of your kids. It's so easy. I need 30 minutes. Hey, go to YouTube. But I noticed in the case of my son, because he splits his time in L.A. and Ohio, when he's out in Ohio with me and he's in the backyard, when we're in the woods, we have no other choice. When we're riding down the Mad River on a kayak, I just I, I give him other options. There's no way we're going to get away from our kids being raised by phones and iPads. And if we do, then we're curving the way they learn. It's just as much as you want to say that's a phone, it's a computer. So they're getting their information from that computer. And also those laptops and those, they're creating uh, jobs that, did, that, that didn't exist years ago. To say that there is something and you could build a career off of being an influencer, it's, it's a crazy thought for me 20 years ago. But, you know, as things evolve, different skill sets and everything. So it's, you just got to find a, a nice balance between both. Yeah, you're right about that. Because to completely demonize technology, it'll have the Sarah Palin effect from uh, however many years ago where she, you know, she talks about the only uh, safe birth control is abstinence and then her 16-year-old daughter ends up getting pregnant. Like if you try and demonize something, inevitably your kids will uh, will go the opposite direction of you. So it's about trying to teach it responsibility. It's like with anything else in life that uh, you, you teach yeah. a level of moderation and then eventually they're able to make that decision on their own and hopefully they uh, they abide as such. But, but they're also going to have to learn mistakes along the way too. Man, you got to be, the only way you know flame is hot is when you first touch it. When I was growing up and I used to be in the back of my dad's cars, they had the cigarette lighters and everything. The only way I was going to stop playing with that thing until I burnt my tip of my finger. And I was like, oh, that's hot. <laughs> you know? That's exactly right. He is stand-up comedian Don L. Rawlings. He is headlining at Joe Rogan's Comedy Mothership this weekend. To snag those tickets that do remain for the Sunday show, go to ComedyMothership.com. Coming up more with Don L. on the other side. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Elling. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Elling. Back with segment two of three with stand-up comedian Donnell Rawlings. You know him best as Ashy Larry from Chappelle's show, but he is a very stand-up comedian. If you are not familiar with his comedy, you may have a chance to check it out this weekend at Joe Rogan's Comedy Mothership. He's headlining shows Friday through Sunday. There's only tickets to one of his Sunday shows left to... Act now and snag those. Go to ComedyMothership.com. Now, uh, I'm excited that you're coming to Austin to headline at the Comedy Mothership. I've Gosh, I've seen about 10 shows there since it opened uh, back in late March. And I have tickets to uh, to one of your Saturday shows. Uh, have, have you gotten to perform there yet for a guest spot or anything else? And if it's, not, Physically, I haven't. Okay. But mentally, and the reason why I say this, that... Um, Rogan moved out there during a the pandemic, right? And he yeah. had a blueprint of how to change the format or the structure of Hollywood. It's like, wait a minute. I've been Hollywood. I can create Hollywood wherever I want to go. And that's one thing I always commend Joe Rogan about. As successful he, as he was, as a businessman and everything, that dude is a comedian comedian. I mean, multi-million dollar deals. But in, in L.A., I would still see him in the belly room. I'll see him in these small clubs. I see him working out. So no matter what you think 
of his comedy or whatever. Oh, I like him more as a podcaster. Well, at least you got options. But I know that he's one of the hardest working guys out there. And when he left California, Hollywood, and had an idea of opening up a club, and the people, the team that he's working with over there, I was like, he's definitely going to bring that energy to that club, like with the best performers, the best space, the best equipment. And the thing that I like about it is that that club isn't just driven off of big names. Even though he has big names, it's driven off of he's created an environment for you to watch comedians struggle to fail, to work out. And he's made that place a place to be no matter who's on the marquee. You know, it's like this. You want to have a good time, you go to the mothership. So I remember him first talking about what he was going to do to send like the first part of the construction to like, it's here, to hearing people talk about it. And I'm, I'm excited. I had offers to work at other clubs there in mm-hmm. Austin. And I was like, you know, I do have a sense of loyalty to, to Joe and to what his mission is. So I'm excited to come. And then we did those those runs. People saw me do 10 or 15 minutes. So to for me to be able to perform for the people that got intro, introduced to me from Stubbs to an extended set, I'm excited about that. Oh man, that was that was a riot. What some of the some of what you were doing at Stubbs, uh, all you guys. I mean, I think uh, Michelle Wolf performed that night. It was just a crazy lineup. Yeah. It was freezing ass cold too. I don't know if we'll ever sit in uh, such frigid temperatures, but it was worth it for the uh, the group that came out there that night, telling jokes, making people I'll laugh. I tell you the power of laughter. Like when we were doing these shows in the cornfield, and Ohio Ohio has an issue with rain. It rains a lot, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember one time we had a show, and this was like we probably had like. 500 people, you know, that were socially distanced um, that came to the show and it started raining. And I was like, oh, my God, everybody's going to leave. Man, one of the most amazing visuals I ever had was going on stage. Right. Um, And looking in the audience and nobody leaving their seat and it's pouring down raining. I mean, like ponchos like like this. I was like, oh, man, this is something special. They did not move. I was like, this is incredible, man. And that just goes to show you the power of what we do as comedians and how we make people feel. No doubt about that. Whether or whatever, you know? Well, yeah, when you consider how things rose up when they did like people were desperate for truth tellers to come out and to address issues in a way that may be offensive to some but there's always going to be somebody who's offended by something but could address things in a way that infuses a level of humor that in a way reunites us once again and so comedy is going through this this golden era right now right as a result of rogan and Chappelle and uh, so many great comics out there but with that comes a lot of people who are new to the art form there are those of us who have been attending comedy shows for decades now but for those newbies it's always good to remind them of some of the unwritten rules of attending a show at a comedy club uh for you as somebody who is up on stage what is uh something that you need to make sure people understand about coming to a comedy club and watching a show that you are going to a show, you're first off, you're attached to somebody's body work or personality. So of all the things that you know about, you have a certain, certain feel about certain things, but you want to hear what their take is, what their point of view is. That's what comedy is all about. 
know what I mean? We're not here to give you answers, but it's like this. This guy's too soon. He's off the chain. I wonder what he thinks about this. The same way, like, even on my social media, I used to do this uh, hashtag too soon with Donnell Rawlins. <laughs> and I would do jokes that people would be like, oh, is it too soon? And my answer to that is a joke could be too soon, but it never could be too soon for funny observation. It is like, what are you seeing opposed to what am I seeing? And guess what? If people didn't want to hear what my point of view was or whatever, they would sit in their house and just look, talk to themselves in the mirror and get all the answers. But they want to hear what the next person has to say about it. And even, and another thing about cancel culture, you got people like Rogan, you got people like Dave, right? And I kind of see myself going in that direction. When your employee, employer is your fans that are loyal to you, that love you, that grew to love you, there's no way you can you can cancel that guy. And what cancel culture want to do, like I said earlier, they don't care about you saying sorry. They want to hit your pockets. They get excited. Oh, Walmart dropped him. <laughs> His agency just left him. <laughs> but when you when you can't do that and you can't stop somebody's paper, you as a cancel culture, you're you're powerless. How can you affect me when, for one, me in particular, I don't create a lifestyle for myself from acting. I don't create a lifestyle for myself for getting guest roles and stuff. I don't create a lifestyle for myself of being a little cameo in a movie. I would be like, welcome to McDonald's. Can I take your order if I relied on that to support me? But what I rely on and thing that's been keeping me going and been able to create a lifestyle, for whatever you think it is, it's been that person that says, oh, man, he's going to be at the comedy club this weekend. I'm going to go see him. And those, at the end of the day, are the only people that I answer to. That's a great way to think about that. You're not, you are not beholden to a Hollywood studio. You are no. not beholden to bosses who are having a virtue signal to let everybody know that they know exactly how they're supposed to think about an issue, even if their actions speak to otherwise. Your bosses are the people who are buying tickets to your shows each and every weekend. And as long yeah, as they're still buying those tickets, you're, you're clearly doing something right. Right. And, you know, and, uh, you know, um, I, I, I've learned to embrace that and I learned to love it. You know, I've never been one. I never chased the dollar in this business. I never wanted to be famous or any of this. When I first started this, and this might be something that some youngins could listen to or say whatever. He's an old head. I only thing I wanted to do was be good. Hmm. That was my first thing to be good. And I realized if you become good at something and then you have some business sensibility, then you'll figure out how to make money off of it. But I never looked at, never once did I look in the mirror when I was younger talking about, I ain't going to be rich and famous. All I want to do is be the funniest one out. And then I'll, that could turn into some coins. It's important to have confidence when you begin a process like that, but it takes reps to truly get good. Do you remember that moment where you uh, realized that you had gotten good at stand-up? Um, I don't really think I know a moment when I... Got you know what? This is a very that's a very good question because I've always been good, and I'm not saying in a cocky way. Anybody that knows my history coming out of DC, they would tell you that it was something different about this guy. Hmm. You got certain talents that you just feel once they get on that platform, it's going to be over. I I felt like I was always good in that moment of where I was at at doing it for two weeks. I was good, 
At six months, I was good. At 10 years, I was good. At 20 years, I was good. At 30 years, I was good. At 32 years, I was good. But last week, when I was taping my Netflix special, something special happened Mm. where I felt that every word I was using wasn't wasted. You know, my timing, the way I I, uh, engaged the audience, I felt like to that moment, I felt like, oh, this is the different level. I had a different level of confidence. I had enough confidence that I didn't have to always use the pitch of my voice for a laugh. I could sit in the pocket. I felt my timing developing. I felt very boom, boom, boom. Like I told myself, you can get away with your voice. You can get away with your mannerism and everything. I said, but what about if your words are so nice that if this set was a transcript, people would laugh as hard reading it as actually seeing it or hearing it. And I, it was like, I'm telling you, after 32 years, it was in that moment, it was the last taping of my special. I said, oh man, you are really good at this in a, in a structured way, in a loose way, in everything. I just felt like that this one behind me, my storytelling is going to get better. You know what I'm saying? Like being able to put a set together. Cause when I did this special, I shot a special two years ago that we shot during a pandemic and, and um, Charlotte, North Carolina day was a producer. Um, I had uh, a press day. We were talking about it. It was supposed to come out when earthquake was doing his special. And two weeks before it was the announcement, Dave calls me and he says, Donnell, I want to shoot you special again. And I'm like, what the hell do you mean? Was it not funny? He's Donnell, I can put you in any room and you will rip the room. He said, but that does not make it a great special. Going to have to pause mid-story. Don't worry. We're going to reset it coming up on the other side. We are on a commercial break, though. Speaking with Donnell Rawlings, headlining at Joe Rogan's Comedy Mothership this weekend. One more segment with Donnell coming up. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Ellie. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Ellie. Back with one more segment with Donnell Rawlings. You know him best as Ashley Larry on Chappelle's show, but he has become a force on and off stage as a comedian, actor, and podcaster since then. Recently co-starred in Adam McKay's HBO series Winning Time, The Rise of the Lakers Dynasty. And guess what? That new Netflix special, it's now in the can, produced by Dave Chappelle a little bit earlier this year. And you can check out his podcast, The Donnell Rawlings Show. New episodes drop on YouTube every Friday. Donnell, it's important to have confidence when you begin a process, but it takes reps to truly get good. Do you remember that moment where you uh, realized that you had gotten good at stand-up? I don't really think I know a moment when I got, you know what? This is a very, that's a very good question because I've always been good and I'm not saying in a cocky way. Anybody that knows my history coming out of DC, they would tell you that it was something different about this guy. Hmm. You got certain talents that you just feel once they get on that platform, it's going to be over. I, I felt like I was always good in that moment of where I was at, at doing it for two weeks. I was good. 
At six months, I was good. At 10 years, I was good. At 20 years, I was good. At 30 years, I was good. At 32 years, I was good. But last week, when I was taping my Netflix special, something special happened Mm. where I felt that every word I was using wasn't wasted. You know, my timing, the way I I, uh, engaged the audience, I felt like to that moment, I felt like, oh, this is the different level. I had a different level of confidence. I had enough confidence that I didn't have to always use the pitch of my voice for a laugh. I could sit in the pocket. I felt my timing developing. I felt very boom, boom, boom. Like I told myself, you can get away with your voice. You can get away with your mannerism and everything. I said, but what about if your words are so nice that if this set was a transcript, people would laugh as hard reading it as actually seeing it or hearing it. And I, it was like, I'm telling you, after 32 years, it was in that moment, it was the last taping of my special. I said, oh man, you are really good at this in a, in a structured way, in a loose way, in everything. I just felt like that this one behind me, my storytelling is going to get better. You know what I'm saying? Like being able to put a set together. Cause when I did this special, I shot a special two years ago that we shot during a pandemic in, in um, Charlotte, North Carolina. Dave was a producer. Um, I had uh, a press day. We were talking about it. It was supposed to come out when Earthquake was doing his special. And two weeks before it was the announcement, Dave calls me and he says, Donnell, I want to shoot your special again. And I'm like, what the hell do you mean? Was it not funny? He's Donnell. I can put you in any room and you will rip the room. He said, but that does not make it a great special. It makes you a funny guy, hmm. but it'll make it a great special. And he said, I've seen you do these jokes better. He said, you did a lot of COVID related jokes. That what you would have dated the special. We trying to make a masterpiece. He said, out of everybody that I'm producing my special, and especially with the connection that I had with Chappelle show, he said, it's, out of that home team series, he said, mine is the most anticipated. And he said, we got to get it right. I went back to the drawing board. I accepted constructive criticism. I'm also talking to somebody who's got five specials. They'll probably go down in the history of comedy. And I was like, you know what? Maybe he knows something. Then another thing, I had already got paid. So I was like, hey, let's do it again. <laughs> right. So, but I'm glad that I could have went either way with it. I could have been like, you don't know what you're talking about. Drop it. But I listened to him and I told him it was important for me when we were going again. I was like, Dave, listen to me. Every homework assignment you gave me, I took care of it. Hmm. Everything you said, you he didn't tell me what jokes to tell anything. But Donnell, we do this, do that. And then we have something special. And I think when we shot this a week ago, I really think I got something special in the can. I'm excited for people to see it on that platform. There's some jokes that you probably, as you know, as a touring comic, you got to practice somewhere. But what I'm excited about is that I got a platform that's a global international platform. And and that moment when it comes on, the world gets to see what I bring to the table. Hmm. Sounds like you had an out of body experience in the middle of the last taping for this special. 
Like you I did. Outside I did. of was, yourself, realizing uh, that you, that you had transcended, you almost had reached a level of mastery with stand up comedy in that moment. Man, I, there's this song that I've really been connected with. It's Nina Simone's song, um, and I'm feeling good. Oh yeah, it's a new dawn. It's a new day. It's a new life for me, and I'm feeling good. I felt like a a a, a caterpillar coming out of the cocoon. I felt like. This is where I started and this is where I'm right now. And now it's just time to just blossom and just soar, bro. 32 years and I still have the same passion and I still care about this the way I did the first time I ever grabbed the microphone. That's refreshing to hear. There are two, uh, Dave Chappelle is obviously one of the great ones. There's other two other great ones that are behind you right now. Beautiful paintings, Albert Einstein and... Bob Marley, what do you uh, what do you dig about Einstein? I, th- I think about Einstein is that he thought outside the box, very thought outside the box, and he was like, I don't know, you don't get to that level of genius without some people consider you being a weirdo, right? But every picture you see of him, you feel like you see something in his eyes, like right now, while you're looking at this photo, I am thinking of something that's going to change the world, hmm. you know. And I think um, Marley. He felt he had that same genes, but he's like, how do I bring the world together? And that's through my music. How do I tell people it's one love? How do I tell people respect certain things, certain people? And also, what about just living life just to the fullest and being appreciative of the smallest things? So that's why um, I got both of those. And then it was like, buy one, get one free, too. So. <laughs> Uh, obviously Marley has so many songs that people know well, but he's got plenty of other songs that aren't as popular that are still awesome too. Like my favorite Bob Marley song is uh, not a chart topper necessarily, but then belly full and we hungry is where it begins and ends for me with Bob Marley. What's your favorite uh, underrated Bob Marley song? Um, I don't know about one. It's cause maybe I'm a, I'm a victim of all knowing like all the hits or whatever. But two little birdies were sitting at my doorstep. Don't worry (laughs) about a thing. Because every little thing is going to be all right. And I'm going to tell you, I have friends that have been going, that at points of their lives, going through some very trying times, right? Mm. And I did not know how to communicate or try to make them feel better. And I would always sing that song right that song this is my message to you yeah so yep that's and oh man you about to make me go put a split up in the air man and get some jerk chicken if we were uh if we were in person i would uh i would light one of those up with you right now all right last question donnell because yeah. uh, i love dave Chappelle. maybe maybe or maybe not maybe best comedian of our lifetime but he's even more important as a humanitarian than he is a comedian, in my opinion. Uh, for you as somebody who has obviously established himself as uh, as also a hilarious comedian uh, up there in terms of the ranks of uh, comedians in modern times, if there's something that you'd like to be known for other than making people laugh, what would that be? Being the best father I could be to my son and making sure I did everything to give him a fair shake in life and I did every everything to create everlasting memories. You know what I'm saying? You cannot know anything about my legacy as a comic or an actor. The most important thing is like, how was we, how was he a dad and how was he in his son's life? That's more important because if I instill the right things in him, 
that can continue generation after generation after generation. After a while, people ain't going to be listening to my comedy. But what I instill in him, that could go on and make him a better person and make him great and make people around him great. Very well said there. He is Donnell Rawlings. Check him out at the Comedy Mothership December 1st through 3rd. If you wait to the weekend to get the tickets, it's not going to happen. These shows are going to sell out. Go to ComedyMothership.com right now to snag those tickets. Also, get ready. That new Netflix special is going to be coming out. It's just one of four specials that uh, Dave Chappelle has produced so far in 2023. Uh, So stay tuned on Netflix for that. And also give him a follow on social media at Donnell Rawlings and uh, check out his website as well, DonnellRawlings.com. Donnell, thank you so much for the time. Again, my apologies for how late I was. No, I told you I wasn't going to accept your apology, but you did have a good conversation. Let's just stick it right there, all right? But I want to say it's a new dawn. It's a new day. It's a new life for me. And I'm feeling good. A couple of quick programming notes before I bid you adieu for the day. Tomorrow is a Wednesday. That means it is a Justin Wells Wednesday. My friend Justin Wells of Inside Texas and InsideTexas.com will join me for a couple of segments starting at 6.15. Stay tuned for that for the latest on the Longhorn football team heading into the Big 12 championship game and any big recruiting news coming down the pike as well. And on Friday... It'll be my usual chat with Sammy P, a.k.a. Sam Paniatovich, one of the best sports handicappers around, getting us ready for championship weekend in college football and also the big NFL slate as well. Thank you to Donnell Rawlings for joining me for three segments to talk stand-up and a whole lot more. Always appreciate my conversations with comedians, and thank you for your feedback on those conversations as well. And speaking of you... Thanks to you for listening today. We'll be back tomorrow at 6. In the meantime, have yourselves a great rest of the day and hook them. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Elling.